All right, so I got this message I'm going to give you, and I'm going to I'm going to tell you I am not going to wear you out for one hour like I did last week. That was long. It was too long. It didn't seem long though, did it? No, huh? You can get by with that if it's the Lord. If it's you, you can't. So I'm giving all glory to the Lord. And if you didn't think I got by with it, that's between you and God. Okay? But I don't really want to. One of my things is I've been telling all our guys, we've got to have shorter, better messages. So I can't do that if I'm not having shorter, better messages. It's not fair to see then if I, they would tell me I have a double standard. you got longer and worse messages and you're telling us to have shorter and better. Come on, let's get with it. So I'm going to give you this, but I wanted to give you, this is my one year in making message. It took me a year to give you, I've been wanting to give you this message for a year, but the Lord wasn't ready for me to do it. So I'm going to give it to you today. I'm going to go back in Ephesians to verse chapter 1, verse 10, and I'm going to read this verse to you and help you today to get rid, that was a great prayer, I want to help you get rid of yokes and burdens in your life, Okay. That's what I want to do. I want to help you get rid of yokes and burdens. But the catch is, I want to put another, I want us to get into another yoke and get into another burden. That's the yoke of the Lord and the burden of the Lord. Because uh, if you just get rid of your yokes and burdens, guess who's waiting on you at the door to give you a new one that you don't want? The devil. This is what it says in verse 10, that in the dispensation, and dispensation means administration. It means like the uh, management of a household. So in the Lord, in the management of His kingdom, of His world, of the fullness of times, which it seems like we're in that, right? Uh, if we're not, man, the people who are going to get in that are going to really have something interesting. But it seems we're in the fullness of time. Uh, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. This is a powerful verse. All things in Christ are going to be gathered together. Uh, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. So God is going to gather everything into, into Jesus Christ. Everything. Heaven and earth are going to be... He's going to pull it all into this person of Christ. In Him, it says. In it. So Jesus being the central focus of everything. Okay? And that's really the thing, if I could say anything, that the Lord really wants to do in our lives. If you had to boil it down to to that is Jesus Christ being our center. He's the central focus of our life. He is is the one. He's the target. And everything else lies outside the bullseye. And that's really what we want to go. We really want Him to be the central thing in all we do and say. And and that's really what God is doing. And so, um, now that was nice, wasn't it? That was easy. But the reality of it, was it easy? Y'all going to have to help me here. That was easy. I mean, it was easy to say that, but it's not easy to live that. Okay, that's the thing. It's not easy for that. But I'll tell you, the Lord's calling us to something new. The Lord's calling us into something greater than we've ever experienced before in our lives. And, and it is Jesus becoming the center of our life. And I want to just tell you a few things the Lord has shown me. Um, first, let me read Luke 10, 38 through 42. Y'all know that story really well, uh, the story of Mary and Martha. Um, A long time ago, many years ago, on a Christmas morning, in the middle of the night, on Christmas Day, I had a dream, and the Lord spoke to me in the dream and said, I've got a Christmas gift for you. Open your Bible. And I opened my Bible to a place where there was a green Christmas card in the Bible. 
and it said the story of Mary and Martha. And in the dream, I read the story, and it had all this profound revelation in it. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. I've never understood this like this. I've never saw all this in there. So I thought in the dream, I've got to write this down so I won't forget it. But then I thought, if I get up and write it down, I'm going to wake my children up, and they're going to want to open their Christmas gifts. And it's the middle of the night. So I think I'm not going to get up and write this down. I'm just going to sleep on. And then when I wake up in the morning, I know I'll remember this because it was so profound. Well, guess what happened? I woke up at Christmas morning at the normal time, and I couldn't remember nothing about that dream. Except for I had that dream. Like, oh, Lord, please, I beg you, please show me what was written there. But he never has shown me, I don't think. Or maybe this is a little bit that he showed me. I don't know, but I'm telling you, this is one of the passionate stories in my life because he showed me some profound revelation. I just don't know what it was. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what I do know. Okay? It says in verse 38, that's terrible, isn't it? But maybe the Lord will show you. You know, now it was a beautiful card, but the card was part of the Bible. That was so cool about it. It was a part of the Bible. And uh, Okay, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Lord, we welcome you into this house, but we would like for it not to be our house. But the truth is, let me just say this, we've got to get away from this being our house, the church being our house. That's one of the key problems that I feel like God has really shown me that he's been working on me, the church is, is more ours than his. Okay? The church is more ours, and we've made something that belongs to him. We've made it ours in and in not in a good way. He wants us to own his stuff, but he really wants to own his stuff more than we own it. Uh, because whoever owns the house is in charge of the house, right? Yeah. And the Lord really wants to be in charge of us, in charge of our church, in charge of ourselves. Now, it happened... Okay, anyway, and he had a, she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve along? That sounds really innocuous and nice and like, oh, Lord, don't you care? Uh, you know, but that, if you read it in the original language, it was not nothing like that. It was very charged with emotion. She was very upset. She was upset with her sister, and she was upset with the Lord, okay, because her sister was not helping her do what she needed, you know, take care of what needed to be done. And so we've had these teachings in the church that you're going to be either a Mary or Martha. Everybody's heard that probably. You're either going to be a doer or you're going to be a receiver from the Lord. You're going to be a person who enjoys the presence of the Lord. And so we've kind of drew a line in the sand with this. And I don't necessarily think that was what the Lord was trying to tell us because I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. I think God really... In fact, I want to tell you, if you get in the presence of the Lord, something's going to happen to you, and you will do something. And that's the truth. That's the ultimate, the ultimate sign that somebody's really been with the Lord. Because I know people who've said they've been in the presence of the Lord, but they've been in the presence of the Lord for years, and nothing has happened in their life. And it can't be that they're in, they're in the presence of the Lord. It can't be. I mean, that's an excuse they've made. You know, claiming they're waiting on God, that's, they're not waiting on God. I'm just going to be honest with you, because if, when you really get in His presence, something happens to you. And you can't help yourself, because you come alive on the inside. And everything about you becomes energized, and you begin to see His heart, and you begin to see the things He wants to do, and you have this hunger and desire in you to go about, like Ryan said, to be about the Father's business. Amen? 
but then there's the other people who are hung up into their serving, and they and here's how you know you, your whole identity is wrapped up in what you do and all that, which is just such a you know it just won't work when your identity gets tied into what you're doing. You're you know you've really disconnected from the Lord Himself. Amen. And so Mary and Martha got angry, uh, sort of like the elder brother uh, in Luke 15, where uh, you know the elder brother and younger brother. The elder brother was mad because the Lord didn't bless him with a party. And the sad thing about that story is, is the elder brother still mad to this day, biblically speaking, because he never got his issues settled. And so there's a lot of Christians who get angry with other Christians, and they get angry with God because. God's not doing what they think He should be doing, and their brothers and sisters are not doing what we think they should be doing. Anybody had that kind of experience, you know? But that's not really right. If we have that experience, we find ourselves being an elder brother or a Martha, and, and that's really not a good position, to, you know, to be in. So, um, but one, and then Jesus said, uh, you're worried and troubled about many things. So what's happening in the world... Today, and I think Ryan was sort of hitting on that, Steve was hitting on that, as, as Jesus said, told us, warned us, in the last days, he said, you've got to be careful that you're not overcome with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. Okay? I hope I'm not talking to the carousing and drunken crowd this morning. But that would be okay if I was. If you were a carouser and a drunkard this morning, welcome. But the Lord's saying, don't let your heart be weighed down with these things. Most of us, our hearts are weighed down with the cares of this life. And what God wants to do is He wants to... He doesn't want this, just to, to loose us from this things. He wants us to li- learn how to live something and see something different. And He warned us not to be weighed down. But um, a lot of Christians I have found, I have discovered, in, even in my own life, about you know living a life that's... Uh, what I would call being a radical Christian. Anybody want to be a radical Christian, an on-fire Christian? And so, um, did you know, I'm just going to tell you a few things, okay? Believe me, I'm going to go somewhere with this. I'm just trying to be real careful how I say it. Did you know that two-thirds of the world, two-thirds of the world could not relate to the gospel we, we preach? Two-thirds of the world because they're, they're starving to death. That's four billion people that could not come into an American church and really engage with us because the world they live in. Now, something's wrong with a gospel that doesn't work anywhere. You know, that's the truth. And so God really is, is, is wanting to speak to us about the gospel message and about where we are with Christianity. Well, let me just put it like this. He's been speaking to me about that. And he, which I want to speak to you about it um, this morning. Y'all got a, look, a serious look on your face right now. I'm getting concerned here. Like I said, I'm not trying to put anything on you today. In fact, I'm going to take something off of you. But I've been dealing with this thing for a while, and I'll tell you when it started. It started last year, a year ago. I went to China, and I came back, and I walked into this church. I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't feel like I fit into this church. I didn't feel like I didn't like what was going on in this church, not because I felt like it was wrong, but suddenly what seemed to be meaningful this, to this church was not very meaningful to me. Okay, and I couldn't give an answer as to why 
why did it not why was why do I feel this way? Why, Lord, am I out on the outside looking in all of a sudden? I'm the pastor of the church. That does not seem right to me, okay? I mean, you know, at some point in time that has to be adjusted or <laughs> in some way. And uh, I just felt that to me everything we were doing was what was. What God was doing. And that's the way it felt to me. I'm just being honest with you. And it wasn't that anybody was doing anything wrong. It was just we were in the was. And really, I was in the was. Okay? I was in the was in my Christian life. That's the way I felt. I'm living in the was, what God was doing. And I began to really try to understand uh, that whole thing better because I was really frustrated. And I felt like the Lord told me I needed to be quiet about it. And he confirmed that through my wife, Becky, when I went and told her one day, I'm really frustrated with what's going on in the church. What is it? I, well, I don't know. Well, then you need to keep your mouth shut. That's what she told me. <laughs> sort of confirming. And so what I began to see is, for me, is what I heard this pastor say this. Someone, and this is, this is really what helped me to get a hold of what I'm trying to tell you. This person came to this pastor and said, listen, you need to understand something. You're this radical guy, but there's a whole middle road of Christians out there who are not radical. They're doing good things, and they love the Lord, but they are not radical. And this pastor said something really profound. He said, wait a minute. He didn't say it to the guy. He just listened to the guy like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's what he said. That's what he said. You're kidding me? He said that basically what this guy was saying was that there's another road that's been created by Christians, and it's called a middle road. Okay? And he was saying, there's not three roads in the Bible. There's not a middle road in the Bible. There's a narrow road, and there's a broad road. And I realized, oh, that's what, I, that's what the Lord's been trying to tell me. He's been trying to tell me, Byron, you're on the middle road. You, you think you're radical, but you're not radical. You think you're sold out, but you're not sold out. And this is why. Because you have a bad standard in your life. You, your standard is not biblical. In fact, you could not put yourself into the Bible. They wouldn't allow your life to be in the Bible except for maybe a bad example. You see what I'm saying? Because what you have, you use standards of what other people are doing, other churches are doing, people that you think are sold out to me, and that is really not the way this thing works. You have these standards about what revival looks like based on what has happened, and that's really not the way this is supposed to work. You, there's a whole other biblical standard you need to start living by. Now, that was a really hard challenge for me to, to accept that suddenly I realized that I don't, I'm not a sold-out Christian like I thought I was. I'm not a radical Christian like I thought I was because I'm comparing myself to other believers, other churches, and it's not working because I'm not supposed to do that. I'm really supposed to compare myself to what the Scripture says. And that's how I determine if I'm radical and I'm, I'm not radical. And the truth is, I, that's what was, I was bothered by. I was bothered by the fact that I was looking at me, I was looking at this church, and I was saying, our church is not radical, okay? 
It's not sold out to the Lord. Only way I'm saying it is is because I'm comparing it to other churches. I'm comparing it to other Christian leaders, other Christian people. And we are not none of those things because when I compare it to the Bible, it doesn't fit in there. In fact, I was saying, what if we decide, what if they were taking application from Christians and churches? Like, we can, you can get into the Bible. We're going to, you know, pretend God, just pretend a minute. There's not going to be an Acts 29 here. But pretend God said, I'm going to let there be an Acts 29 Chapter 29, I'm taking application from believers and churches. I don't even think they would, our, 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 we wouldn't even make the short list, honestly. We really wouldn't. In fact, most churches would not make the short list. Can, can, can you imagine taking us and putting it in the Bible? We're sold out? No, we're not sold out. Paul the Apostle was sold out. Jesus was sold out. Peter was sold out. And there's no middle road. And we're sitting here saying, yes, but. And no, but that yes, but. See, that was the thing. The yes, but didn't ultimately work with God. Now, I'm just being honest with you. There's no yes, but, Lord. Yes, but, Lord. This, I live in the United States. I live in 2011, and this is the way it works. It's no. And see, that was the thing that began. That was what was disturbing me is I saw a little bit of a glimpse of something that really bothered me. And I realized, I'm not really, it's not that I want to compare myself to them. I want to compare myself to this. And they just happened to have more of this than I have. And I was jealous for it. And I was frustrated that we didn't. Are y'all following me? And I was frustrated that my Christian life was not like that. And it, it was acceptable in our society. It's acceptable in our culture. It's acceptable to be consumed. The Lord gave me this, this, uh, this phrase, a culture of straw. Culture of straw. And I really thought about the Scripture in Corinthians where, you know, building with wood, hay, and stubble, but that was really what wasn't what He was trying to show me. He was showing me that in, in back in Exodus chapter 5, when the Lord was calling Israel out of Egypt, this is what Pharaoh did. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit giving y'all the straw to make your bricks. Right? Y'all remember that story? They would make bricks for Pharaoh to build stuff. And they, but they gave him straw because they made bricks out of straw. They, I think they still do. Something, you know, they make it out of something sand. It's all. Anyways, he said, I'm going to quit making, giving you the straw. But guess what? You're still going to have to produce as much as you did before which means you're going to have to work longer and harder hours so you won't have time to think about the Lord. Okay? And so here we are in a society where people are having to work longer and harder. People are occupied with more things. And we've justified in our mind. At some point, the Lord may say, you may not be able to keep your standard of living without working seven hours, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Have you ever thought about that? And I'm not down on standard of living. I'm just saying, what if God was... Trying to say, you don't realize that spirit has invaded the church. And that we've become so busy. That's why Jesus said, don't let your heart be weighed down. Because one thing he said about the last days is not only there going to be tsunamis and earthquakes and famines, but it's also going to be people are going to be getting married. People are going to be, be having parties. People are going to be doing normal stuff. In other words, life will be going on in a normal way in some sense. Okay, but people are going to be weighed down with the cares of life or drunkenness and carousing. He says, you have to be careful. That's what he was saying. You have to be careful about these things. Are y'all following this? 
and say what God is really trying to call the church into America. You see, I can't look at the Chinese church and say, oh, they're sold out to the Lord more than I am. i got to be like them. No, I don't. But I'm saying that God is calling me to be as a Christian, as a believer, to look at what the Bible says as, as what a radical Christian is and what a sold out Christian is and not look at everybody else and I need to become what the Bible says. And I don't need to accept this thing that we have accepted and justified. That this is the way I am because of the culture I live in. And somewhat, this is, this is, I'm not trying to be hard. In some ways, the church has gotten too, too much into our culture. I'm like, well, we don't, and this is the truth, we don't want to be acting like a church acting in 1948, singing the songs they sang in 48, and playing the music they played in 48, and looking like they did in 48. I mean, we're struggling with the 90s, but we're going to get out of that one of these days. <laughs> You know, I mean, we are 2011. I'm into that stuff. I believe in that stuff. But I'll tell you something I believe in more. I believe in more. Because ultimately in the end, this is what I want to be. I want to be sold out like the Bible says. I want to be radical like the Bible says. Not, not, not what my culture tells me. Not what the Christian culture in the United States says that I am. This is what sold out looks like. I don't want to hear what they got to say, really. I want to find out what God's got to say. And what I, And I'm telling you, what I started seeing about me is... I am not a radical Christian, according to the Bible. I'm not radical. I'm not really sold out to Christ, according to what the Bible says. Because I have a false standard. I have a false standard about what revival looks like. I have a false standard of what the glory looks like. I have a false standard about what the Holy Spirit River looks like. Now, I'm telling you, it's the truth. I have a false standard. Because it's not coming from here. It's coming from my experience and what everybody else's experiences it is. And see, God is calling us into something much greater than our little standard. Much greater. Much greater standard. He's calling us to be much more sold out to Him. Much more. Does that sound hard? It's not hard. That's what I'm saying. You see, what we're carrying, we're carrying the yokes of society. This is what you're supposed to do in America. This is supposed to how you're supposed to act. This is supposed to what you're supposed to It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. When it may not be, especially if those things are consuming your heart. Y'all looking at me like I ain't, I ain't right. Well, uh, this, this, I finally figured out this phrase I was trying to figure out. This great revivalist said, My job is to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Well, thus, have you thought about that, that the Holy Spirit's called a comforter? Because He comforts people who are afflicted by the devil, but He also wants to comfort people that are afflicted by God. And God wants to afflict us in the, in the sense He doesn't want us to be comfortable. He doesn't want us to set back. He doesn't want us to have a false standard. He wants to go after us. And that's what He's been doing in my life for a year now. He has been going after my heart. And he's saying, Byron, you have a wrong standard. You have a wrong standard about revival. You have a wrong standard about relationships. You have a wrong standard. Because you got it from experience or other people's experience. You haven't gotten it from me. And my standard is much higher than that. So why do we celebrate the most radical Christians in America or missionaries in another country, right? That they've given up living the American lifestyle to go and live in hardship. In, uh, you know, other countries. And we think those are the most... Cra- Why? We should be radical just like they are. We should be willing to give everything for Christ. Everything. Right now. Right here. Well, that's the truth, right? 
Oh, well, okay. I done spent 20 minutes doing this. I'm so not sorry I did that. <laughs> I'm just sort of trying to tell you my little story I got going. I'm really sort of trying to share you. I'm, sort of, I'm really trying to mess you up like I've been messed up. Okay? Because God has messed my life up. He messed me up. He took me out of my comfort zone. He messed me up what I thought church should be. He messed me up. He messed me up what I thought a good meeting was what I thought of the move of the Lord was. He messed all that up for me. He messed it up. That's not a good, good day. I'm telling you, it's not a good day. It was hard. It's been real hard on me. My life has been messed up by God. God has messed me up. He has afflicted me with not being happy and not being sad. And I'm not talking about discontent with him, like I'm going to do this. I'm not. Just like one guy said, can you imagine? Uh, and it, could we put a church in where the church in America, his wife, well, we're going to leave that church because they don't have a good children's prayer and they have a better one down the, program, down the road. Can you imagine putting that church in the Bible, that mindset in the Bible? It doesn't fit. And that's how far. And we could justify doing that. Well, because of our kids and stuff. But that is not biblical on any level. And we accept those kind of things. And accept them and justify them in our heart. And that's a little thing. And I'm not against kids' programs. I love kids. I'm just saying you see the foolishness in our thinking. And then we claim we're followers of Christ and we're thinking like that and accept that. How can it be? How can it be? It can't be. It's not biblical. Y'all just looking at me. Come on now, y'all. I'm not telling you I'm there. I'm telling you I'm in the middle of the mess that I have created in my own life. I'm trying to get out of the mess. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get out of the mess. I'm just telling you I'm messed up. I'm just messed up. Everything's messed up to me. Christianity's messed up. This is messed up, Lord. I don't, I don't, I don't think I fit in this kind of Christianity. I don't fit here, Lord. I don't fit in this. Because you didn't call me to this. And he's not called you and I. None of, this, none of you in this room has he called to that. None of us. He has called every one of us in here to be radical followers of Christ. I mean totally sold out 100% all the way. Holding nothing back. Doesn't mean you're going to go on the mission field. Doesn't mean you're going to sell everything you have. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means your heart condition. And that you have a different standard than everybody else around you has. Everybody. Does that seem kind of hard? I mean, you know. Well, let me just do this Isaiah 40 thing. Y'all got time for that? The Isaiah 40 thing? Because this is what the Lord was showing back to the Martha and Mary thing. Um, You know, this is a famous verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I did a better job at this message in the first service. I was doing more you know, explaining it, which that's my comfort zone, you know, like do the teaching thing, right? Everybody has a comfort zone, I'm, but I'm trying to stay out of my comfort zone, which makes, might make you a little bit uncomfortable, huh? I'm here to, comf- I'm t- here to afflict you in a righteous way, you know? <laughs> it says, those who wait on the Lord, okay, shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. This is absolutely opposite of the way the world works. Okay? Waiting causes our strength to be renewed. The first thing is, is going up into the heavenly realm. It's, it's the mounting up. It's being with Christ. 
the, that's, and then running is, speaks of ministry. Running, if you, when you run, you get exhausted. You breathe hard. You get tired. Okay? And that's the way God will use person. God will bring us into His presence. And then He will run you like a dog. He really will. Don't, let me tell you, don't be fooled. God will wear you out in ministry. Because it's like running. And when we run, we have to stop and catch our breath. Okay? And then walking is just your normal life. And so there's this waiting thing that God wants to release to people, okay? And there's two meanings of waiting in the Bible. Biblically, there's two meanings. One is waiting like you're serving somebody. Like, I'm serving this man. I'm giving him chocolate cookies and coffee. I'm bringing them to him because he wants some. Okay? That's serving somebody. It's like a waiter serving a person. And so God wants us, every person in this room is called to wait on the Lord like that, to serve the Lord. Okay, and then there's the other waiting. Okay, so Mary was serving the Lord like that, but her heart was wrong because she didn't do this other waiting first. She didn't get into His presence. And I read this uh, thing in the International Standard Biblical Encyclopedia. Sounds important, doesn't it? It's really, really a big old Bible thing. It's got all kinds of good stuff in it. But this is what they said about waiting. I want you to hear this. You'll know why I, I picked this one. I love this one. This is what that kind of waiting means. It implies the listening ear, a heart that responds to the wooing of God. In other words, it's not just somebody just like, well, I'm waiting on the Lord, but I'm out doing other things while I'm waiting. I'm, not, I'm distracted from God. I'm not thinking about God. I'm not connected to God. Okay? But this heart is attentive to God no matter what they're doing. Okay? It's a concentration. Now, this is the part that really caught me. A concentration of the spiritual faculties upon Heavenly things. Did you get that? That's setting your mind on things above. Setting your affections on things above. That's a, a waiting. It's thinking about those things. Setting yourself towards those. It's the patient of faith. The patience of faith. Y'all don't y'all love that name? Patience of faith. The earnest expectation of the creation. Romans eight nineteen. It describes an eager anticipation for the revelation of truth and love as it is in the Father. That's really good, isn't it? That's an active heart. That's a heart that's waiting on God. So you have that encounter with the Lord. You see, that's what Mary was doing. She was having this encounter with the Lord because she recognized something that Mary recognized. Because if you go on in the Bible and read in another, in another day, in another chapter in the Bible, I think it's John, John 12, it says that Mary anointed Jesus' feet for bur- Jesus' body for burial. Remember that? She anointed Him for burial. You know where she got that revelation about anointing Jesus for burial? It was when she was sitting the day he came into her house. See, Mary recognized something that Martha wasn't recognizing. She was able to discern this, there's something about this. It's not a time to work. It's not a time. It's a time to dial back. It's a time to receive something. And because she was able to do that, she did something that was pretty profound that nobody else did. Because nobody else took care of Jesus' body. And it was important to Jesus that somebody did that. And so when she was there at his feet, she got something from Jesus. And when the time came down the road, before he was crucified, she released that thing that for him. She served him. She anointed him. She did something. Are y'all following that? And so God wants to make, give us these opportunities in life to really get before him and receive from him. And then and go from that place and do whatever He's downloaded into our life. 
Remember I told you on the airplane over there to Korea, the Lord spoke when I was just like beside myself. I was beside myself. Like I haven't had one second to think about preaching anything and they're going to preach me into the ground over there. Expect me to preach all the time and I haven't thought about nothing. I was, I was like, oh God, what am I doing going? This was a mistake. And he spoke to me and said, you ought to do it. Your life has prepared you for this. Your life has prepared you. It's what I've imparted to you. What you've received from me in those moments of waiting on me and being with me. And it's going to be time to release all that. You ain't got to sit around and figure out a bunch of stuff. It'll come when it needs to. That was pretty comforting, man. Like, whoa, thank you, Lord. You know, even to the point where he made me forget stuff to give me the right stuff. Yeah, I mean, literally, like, I forgot what I was supposed to share. Okay, I'm just going to share something else because I can't remember what I was supposed to share anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's, you know you're in a bad day when you're forgetting things like that. At least me, because I'm good a good memory. Are you all okay? All right, let me just read this Mark 3 thing to you. I'm really excited about this because God, this is what I see. See, God's not trying to put a burden on you. See, most of the time when I've heard stuff like that, it just felt bad to me. But here's what I'm hearing God saying, no, Byron, no, this is not bad. This is the best thing that ever happened to you. For you to see the real condition of your heart, to really see what you're really like, to really see what heaven really thinks about you. Because it's better now than when you are at the end of your life and realize, dog, I had this standard all my life that I thought was right. And it, What if we found out an inch wasn't really an inch? Like, that's not really how long an inch is. And we have got all this stuff we built based on this inch, and it was built wrong. Yeah, it's a millimeter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This, things we build or have these standards that we build them against. And what if the standard's wrong? In all my life, I've had this wrong standard about what it is to be a radical Christian. It was the way you acted and the way this person acted and what they did. And that's not what the Bible says. Are y'all really getting that? Because I want to be a radical Christian. It's in me. It's in all of us. God's put something in us. He didn't put something in us to be full of the world and be full of the world's standards. And you can reject what I'm saying, but I'm telling you the truth today. I'm telling you the truth. Jesus says, don't let your heart be weighed down with the cares of this world. Consumed with life here. Don't let it happen to you. That's a yoke. That's a burden from Satan. That's what he said. There's no way to get around that. Anyways... Are y'all okay? Are we doing all right? Because I don't, I don't feel all right right now. I feel like y'all just sitting there looking at me like, like he's trying to mess with me in a bad way. I am trying to mess with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to share my discomfort. I'm in, I have come out of the closet in the sense of I was a closet messed up Christian. For a year I've been messed up by myself. And I finally, it's just time to tell people the truth. I'm messed up. But I think it's a good mess up. Because I want to go somewhere in God. I want to do something different in God. I don't want to accept the status quo of Christianity. I just don't want to. I want to accept what the Bible says. I want to accept what a life of life, you know, Christ-likeness really is. I want to accept what being filled with the Holy Spirit really is. I want to accept when I see the river of God, what it really is. Revelation, what it really is. I want that. I want it so bad I can't stand it. And you do too, whether you know it or not. And if you don't, you may. All right, here we go. Let me just give you this. I won't beat you up too bad. Anyway, this is a great scripture. I love this scripture. Verse Mark 3. 
And he went up on a mountain. There's Jesus going up into the heavenly realm. Okay? And he called. He called to those. There's no him there in the original Greek. He called to those he himself wanted. In other words, God's calling to people. Now, see, I see that's happening right now. He's calling to those he wants. And I'm going to tell you something. There's not one person in this room right now that he doesn't want. God is calling to you right now. Everybody in this room, he's saying, I'm calling to you. I want you. I want you. I'm calling you to come to me. Okay, and this is the cool thing. They came to him. Isn't that awesome? That's profound. He called them, and they responded and said, Okay, I'm coming to you. I'm telling you today, the Lord's calling to you. He's calling you into a radical lifestyle of Christianity. Okay? It's not the way, the style of church. It's not about music in the church. It's not about style of preaching. It's not about programs. It's not about any of that stuff. Take that stuff, and you can do that, do that stuff, but this is not what we're talking about. Because that doesn't really matter in the end. It really doesn't. What matters is Jesus Christ being central to your life and that we're walking towards Him. And all that stuff just kind of works out any way it works out. I mean, who cares how it works out? Hey, I was going to tell you this. I was at this concert Friday night, and there were like uh, three different worship leaders doing this. It was a concert. It wasn't like a church thing. There were three worship leaders there. Philip was there playing, so I went for Philip, truthfully. (laughs) Anyways... We were there, and I thought, man, this place is a hodgepodge spiritually in here. I'm not, I was telling him, man, this place is getting, I can't get the, I can't dial in here because there's so many different streams in this room. And so one guy would do his worship from, or do his songs, and it was good, man. I mean, really, all of them were really, it was great. They were really good musicians. They could sing really good. They all had powerful anointings on them, but they were all different. But at the end, they sang this song, and it was a hymn. And it was, come thy fount of every blessing. And that was the first time all night. Even the people who were standing out in the hall, I saw them. They stopped, they were, you know, and there's like another room. They are chit-chatting, having a good old time, fellowship, and everybody's chit-chatting. All of a sudden, everybody engaged in the room. And suddenly, everybody was one together. Everybody was of one mind. Everybody was one heart. They went from that to like nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah, it was powerful. I realized that's really it. Nothing. That's it. That's it. We don't have to do all this stuff to get people to church. All we got to do is lift Jesus up. If we'll do that, all that other stuff will work itself out. You know, it's not about this guy's style or that kind of music or this, all that. I don't want to do that. I want to get the Lord in. And however he wants to do that, he will do it with him. Are y'all, are y'all okay? But then it says he appointed 12 that they, 12, he appointed. So there's an appointment that God has for us. Everybody has an appointment. He's going to appoint you. He ain't going to appoint you to be one of the 12 apostles. Forget that. Okay? They've already been 12. We're not trying to get in on the 12. We're just trying to get in on what God has appointed us for. So when we, when we go to the Lord, when we have those times of waiting, there's always an appointment. Always. And here's what the appointment always is. It's first to be with Him. That's the first thing. He just wants that. He wants us to be with Him. That's the number one appointment in our life. Uh, he appointed Him to be with Him. But here's the thing, like I was saying earlier, you can't claim you're with the Lord and nothing ever changes in your life and nothing happens in your life because he said this, that he might, to be with him so that, or and, that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. 
Do you see that? So there's Mary to be with him. But then there's a moment where Martha has to rise up and say, I've got to go preach, I've got to go heal sickness, I've got to go deliver people from the devil. It's not just sitting there forever. And then you'll come back to that place and go out and come back. Yes, what your life will be. It'll be a mix of those things. Okay? And whatever is happening when you're with them is what He's going to send you out in to, to do in the world. Wherever you are, that's what God's called us all to do. We've all got to see that. Okay? All of us do. I'm not really getting it. Okay. Right, anyway, so here's... I'm fit, quitting, okay? I'm done. You know, here's how... Here I got one, two, three, four, five things. I'm going to say them right quick about how to know if you're back to the middle road, how to know if you're walking on the middle road, okay, in your Christian life, how to know you're on the middle road. You know, to me, the middle road is sort of like the lukewarm thing. It's sort of in the middle, right? Hot or cold... Is one thing, but there's no middle for the Lord. The Lord says, there's no middle in me. I mean, he said that. I'd just be hot or cold, but don't, don't try this middle stuff. There is no middle road of Christianity. It's either sold out to God all the way or not. Now, that's what, and so what we have to do is we have to deal with the fact that we're living on a middle of road Christianity. I have to deal with that fact. I'm not just saying you do. I've got to deal with that. I've got to deal with the fact that this church is a middle-of-the-road church and there's no such thing in the Bible as a middle of the road. There's no such thing in the kingdom as a middle of the road. Now, that's what bothers me. I'm bothered. I'm living on something. I'm doing something that's middle, and I can't find it in the Bible. So here's signs that you're living in the middle, is you're comfortable. When you get comfortable, I'm happy where I'm at. I like what God's doing. I understand what God's doing. Right? You know, that's what we're trying to do is understand what the Lord's doing. Like, the Lord's doing something. Let's figure out what He's doing so we can connect in and do it with Him. And we do connect in and do it. And then we get real comfortable because we sort of understand how God works in this mode. Right? And suddenly we become like, we really know what we're doing. We know how to flow with the Spirit. We're comfortable. What used to really tear me up doesn't tear me up no more. What used to really make me like, oh, that's just the way God does. You know, you know. Right? You get comfortable, and we don't want to be comfortable in our lives in any way, okay? Because comfort leads to staleness. And really, if we're comfortable, God's saying, don't be comfortable. The next thing is you're, you quit dreaming. Now, can anybody quit dreaming? I'm not talking about dreams like in your bed at night. I'm talking about dreaming about your life, dreaming about what could be. Dreaming about the things that you think God would have to do with your life and how He would like to use you, what He would like to be involved I have a dream, sorry. I have a dream about our, I have this dream about the President of the United States coming on national television and say, I was wrong, I repent. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've given my life to Christ. And I'm repenting for my leadership. I want this church, this, this country to be a Christian nation again. Wouldn't that be awesome for that to happen in our nation? Well, maybe it will. That's a dream. I have that dream. And so when we quit dreaming like that, I mean, that's a big dream, right? I mean, it'll take a miracle, but it may not happen with this president, or maybe one day a president will. You know? Or maybe you have a dream about your family, or a dream about a call of God, or dream about something you feel like God's put in your heart to do. When we quit dreaming, we're on the middle of the road. We're just living life. Next thing is, that I know this is about taking risk. How many people like to take risk? Risk taking is, is, is chancy, man. People, you, you'll stop taking risk when you're on the middle of the road because you are not willing to risk what you have. 
And this is one thing I've tried to instill into our leadership in our church, but the truth is I don't think it's been instilled in me enough. Is we, it's like a gambler in one sense where you take everything that God has done, everything that is awesome that you love, and you put it on the table like a gambler puts all his chips on the table. That's taking a risk when you say, you know what, this has been awesome what God's done, this has been wonderful, but to tell you the truth, there's something more, and I'm willing to put all that on the table to get that more realizing you could lose all those chips. And so here's what happens to a lot of Americans. We have an economic structure in place that we're not willing to risk for the kingdom. Why do you think people are so infatuated with Heidi Baker? Why do you think they are? Because they see something in her that says, you're supposed to be just like that. You may not supposed to go to Mozambique to be like that. You may just need to go next door. But you're supposed to do what she's doing. Give it all up for Christ. Go after it 100%. That's why people are. Because she's not that good of a preacher, really. And she don't have as many as miracles as some other people who do miracles. She really doesn't. She is just 100% sold out as best we can see. And so we see that, and it attracts us. She's risking everything constantly, and that's the kind of lifestyle God's called us to live. Okay, you get into the maintenance mode. You don't take risks. You try to maintain what you got, keep what you got, protect what you got. You know, got to protect the church, got to protect the building, got to protect the property, got to protect this vision, protect that, protect my position, protect this, protect that. You're maintaining everything. And God doesn't live in that world. He does not live in that. And, but see, I'm just telling you, I do live in that world. I live in that world. And I don't want to live there no more. I'm tired of that. I'm saying, let me out of that world. Lord, I want to take risks. I want it to be godly risks. I want it to be Holy Spirit risks. But I want to do that of my life. I don't want to get to heaven and realize I missed out on 98% of the things that God had for me. I don't want to be a maintenance guy. And then the last one is about walking in faith. Uh, I wrote it down. Luke 17. Luke, read Luke 17, 5 through 10 sometimes. These guys, disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. That's what they said to him. How many people are like that? Like, I need more faith, Lord. Well, this is what the Lord said to him. He told them a story. And this is the story. He said, uh, well, this is the way it works. There was a guy who was a property owner. And he had people working for him. And when they get through at night, they should not expect the property owner to feed them and have supper waiting on them. No, they should come in and take care of the property owner. And after he's been filled and after he's happy, then they can eat. And then they just need to say to them, we just did what we were supposed to do. Now, that's a sold-out person right there. We just did what we were supposed to do. You know, we worked, we labored, and we ministered to him. We made sure everything was good with him, and then we were taken care of last. And that's how Jesus says, if you want faith, that's how you need to live your life. That's what will cause faith to grow in your life is when you're like, you're in that state of mind. Y'all okay? <laughs> I'm telling you. Let me go back one more time. I'm trying to get yokes and burdens off on us today and get the right yoke on us. Because if we're going to really have Jesus' yoke, this is where it's going. Because this is the way Jesus lived. That's the yoke we need to be into. That's the burden we need to be carrying. Okay? That's what God's calling us to. He's calling us into a radical, sold out, 100% all the way in Christians with Him. Okay? That's really where He wants us to go. 
And he wants us to stop thinking that we are that because we are not that. Now, that is where I think probably the most resistance I feel in this room. When I say that, I feel resistance. When you're saying, yes, I am because of, and I'm saying, no, you're not. You're not. I'm looking for those people who are, and I don't see many of them. And I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm seeing as me as not being one of them. Okay? And I'm seeing this church as not being a sold-out church that has sold, completely sold out to Christ. I don't see it. I don't see us being radical. And I think God's calling us into that. And I think He's calling every church in the United States to that. And I think He's calling every believer in the United States to that. And I'm saying that God wants to... He, said, let, he told the disciples, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. It's not some, it is a process. It's a make you become is a process. It's an outworking. But first you've got to get something going in your life. A godly stir and a godly discomfort where it's not about how things look and how, how it sounds and who got this and who's got that. No, it's something deeper than, much deeper than that in you that's stirring you on the inside. And that's just really what I really believe. And I believe that's what God has for us. Now, God wants to give us grace to do all that. You know, He doesn't expect us to go out and get in our flesh and try to do a bunch of stuff. That's just crazy. I'm not going to do that. But he does give us power, inward power. There's inward power to do everything I'm telling you today. Are y'all okay? Are y'all okay? Because I need you to be okay. Because <laughs> you know, believe me, I'm not preaching to you. I'm, I'm preaching to me. I'm just telling you where I've been. And I'm telling you, God has got a call on this church and got a call on your life. He really does. And it's much greater than what we thought. Much greater. Much more radical. Well, we do have this. I'm just the end of the message. We had this one young lady. You know, we got these uh, people from Chinese, China coming from the underground church. Amen. Everybody give a big hand to God. Yes. We have one, one of them that's showing up Monday. Okay. There's three coming. One showing up Monday. Uh, and she, her, her English name is Helen. Okay. And she and her husband pastor an underground church in Beijing. And they reach out a lot to college students in Beijing. Okay, so when you see her next Sunday at church, you make sure you welcome her and love on her and let her know that we love her and that we highly value that God would send. Because I'm going to tell you something. People who are leaders in those kind of places are really the real deal because nobody wants to be a leader if you're going to get shot at or thrown in prison. Right in America, they won't do it. But there they will. That's to me the best leaders is the ones who... It's not about, you know, stuff. It's about the call. And so it's going to be wonderful to have her. And then the other two will be here in May. You know, we was hoping to get them all at one time, but, you know, because of embassies and whatevers, you know, that's just the way it worked. So, amen? So this is a happy time to get to do this. And I think this is like a door for lots of international people to come here. I really do. Uh, but so let's make sure we take this one and act like it's a million. That's the way I feel. I'm going to tell you this one person, I'm going to treat them like they're the world. I'm going to treat them like the whole world's coming behind them. And this one's like the one, the forerunner that came to check it out. Okay, well, I'm going to do everything I can to make you welcome and loved and give you everything I can give you. But the truth is, I'm going to get so much more from you. You know, that's the way I feel. I'm getting something from them. Like, like, yeah, we're going to train them. We're going to help them more. That's the whole The guy said, I want you to help train these leaders. I'm thinking, train them? Okay, we'll train them.
No, they're going to train us. <laughs> That's my real thought. They're going to give more to me than I will ever get out of them. I have gotten more out of that one trip than I could get out of a, for the rest of my life. One time. And God wants to do that for all of us. Amen? Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do an altar call. All righty, are you good? Let's do an altar call. I want to ask you the truth. Are, do you feel like you're a middle-of-the-road Christian this morning? I want you to tell yourself the truth. I want you to get real with God this morning. It's, let's get real with it. It's okay. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm a middle-of-the-road Christian. I've already bought into this thing. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm guilty, Lord. I've made a road that don't exist in the Bible, and I'm living that road. I want off that road, Jesus. I want off. I'm asking you. I'm renouncing that road. I'm asking you, show me how to be that straight and narrow Christian. Show me how to live that radical life, Lord. Show me, show me the real road, Lord. Not what I thought it was. The real road. And only Jesus can show it to you. Only Jesus can give you revelation in your heart how to live that life. It's not about rules. It's not about going out and doing crazy stuff. It's just asking the comforter to come to you and speak to your hearts and reveal to your hearts. And the way it looks for Don Casperson will not look the same for everybody else. It's going to look different for different people because God has different appointments, different callings. He said to Peter, was it to you if I let John live the rest of his life and I had to just kill you? What's it to you? He said, don't worry about that. You follow me. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about something personal and real and individual for every person in this room. It is not a thing that we can define. It's undefinable. That's the thing that just drives me nuts. We'll know it by the fire that continually burns in our heart. And that we're continually offering ourselves up on the altar for God to set a fire on. Continually, Lord. I'm not going to be ate up by the world. I'm not going to be consumed by the world. I'm not going to be weighed down by carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this world. I'm not, Lord. I'm not going to allow that to be the thing. I'm going to let my life be a living sacrifice to you. And you can set me on fire. And you can let me burn, burn, burn. And then when there needs to be some more fuel poured in, you'll grab me and tell me. Let's put some fuel in Amen. Stand up. All right, so stand up. Let's just do this. I want to do an altar call. I want to give you a chance. If you feel like you've been a middle-of-the-road Christian, I'd like you to come up here and just stand. And we're gonna, I'm going to have you pray this prayer with me this morning to renounce that and ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you, to you personally, because He wants to speak to you personally. Because the Lord is so good, He just loves people. Yeah, we saw Isaac on television. Yep. We saw you. Ask Becky. She's got a word for you. We saw somebody else, too. Saw, I forgot who all we saw. Some good stuff. So let's, we're going to pray. Lord, we're gonna, first we're going to confess to the Lord that our version of Christianity has not necessarily been the right version. We've got a bad version. We've got a bad standard. We're saying we're, gonna, we're wanting to get rid of that today, Lord. We're making a commitment today to get rid of a false standard. Okay? Father, and I want you to pray this, if you will. You don't have to pray. I just pray it. Father, I confess to you that I have had a standard of Christianity that really doesn't measure up to what the Bible really says. And I've been, I've got this middle-of-the-road concept, and I have justified where I'm at and justified a lot of things in my life that should not be justified, that I have no biblical grounds to justify them on. So I just am saying to you, Lord, I don't want to be a middle-of-the-road Christian. And I don't want to have standards that other Christians say to me, you're on fire, Byron. No, I'm not on fire. Because I'm on fire when Jesus says I'm on, I'm on fire. That's the standard I want, Lord. I want your standard for my life. I don't want, I don't want my neighbor's standard. 
And I want to renounce those standards today. You, listen, what I'm saying to you, you don't, I'm not your standard. I'm not giving you a standard. I'm just telling you my standard's wrong and I believe our church's standard is wrong. And I believe many of us' standard is wrong. But you have to get that from God, not from people. That's the problem. So I, don't, I want you to be real careful about where you get your standards from. So, Lord, we want to get our standard from you and from the Bible, from the Holy Spirit. What you say is radical. What you say is sold out. What you say is cutting edge, Lord. That's where we want to get it from. We don't want to get it from our culture. Lord, we love culture. We love all that. That's something you've given us to affect, to change. But we don't want it to rule us and tell us what we're supposed to look like and act like. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now. I ask you to come on up on everybody in this room just standing before you. Just come right now. You're the standard maker. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us right now. Forgive us, Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us. Just forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. We acknowledge today we're children. We want more. We believe there's more, Lord. Just thank you, Jesus. Just let the Holy Spirit come on you a second here. Let Him touch your life. Just receive the Father's love. Receive His care. The Father loves you. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that I hate to use. It's in Hebrews where it says the Father disciplines us because we are His sons and daughters. In other words, if He doesn't speak things to us that correct us, then it's, it's almost like we're not sons and daughters. So the Lord really wants to help us. He's for us. He wants to correct, make some corrections in our lives. Call us into something greater. So Lord, I just ask you to do that today. A father speaks life over his children. And a good father doesn't do it in a mean way, in a harsh way. He does it in a, in, a, in, a, in a strong way, a loving way, a caring way. And I just pray that each one of us would feel your care today. Would feel that you are speaking into our lives, that you are calling us to something greater. You're saying, I've got so much more for you. I have so much more for you. I just feel that's what the Father said. I've got so much more. There's so much more. Is don't let yourself be shortchanged. Don't let yourself be shortchanged. Don't believe a lie. Don't believe a standard that, that justifies you and, and enables you to stay where you are spiritually. Don't look around you and see what other people are doing and say, well, they're, they're doing that or they're that way, then it's okay for me to be that. Don't do that. Look, look at the, the perfect, look into the, what they call the history of love, the Bible, and the, through the eyes of the Spirit. Let Him reveal to you what it looks like and say, that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going for. Lord, we just ask You to do that in us. Just stir in us, Holy Spirit. Stir in us. Stirring us, stirring us, stirring us. Stirring. The Lord's been stirring a long time. He's been going trying to get us for a long time. He's been trying to get us and help us with these kind of things. But there's been a spirit of condemnation that's been in the church and a spirit of judgment that's been on people. And that is not what He wants to do today. He wants to break judgment off of you. He wants to break condemnation off in you. He doesn't want to judge you into anything. He doesn't want to condemn you into anything. That's not the way that our Father, Daddy, works. He loves us into it. He lovingly corrects us and lovingly adjusts our life. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something. What I'm telling you is very messy. My life has been a mess for the last years, personally speaking. My spiritual life has been a mess. I mean, honestly. It's just been a big mess. That's the way I feel. I'm just messed up, Lord. Everything's messed up. But it's been a good mess. So God is calling you into a messy place in your life. It's going to be messy. You're not going to always do it right and say it right. But it's okay. He's saying it's okay. I was really happy recently. I walked upstairs and I saw a bunch of toys scattered out in my daughter's room. My grandchildren have been out there playing. And they left and left their mess behind. But the joy of knowing there I have children in the house again making a mess just made me feel so good as a, as a grandfather. And our Heavenly Father, when He looks at our lives and sees our messes, it makes Him feel good because He's saying, listen, this is messy. It's not perfect. It's going to be okay. And I'll tell you what He'll do many times. Just like we did, is we just went behind Him and cleaned up the mess. You know, because it ain't my job to train my grandkids. I let that be the parents' job. I'm there to just enjoy them. And the Father will train us sometimes, but He has just cleaned up so many messes in my life. Really, literally, for the last year, has held me together when I couldn't hold myself together. I just thought, Lord, I'm just ready to just, just, I'm just quitting. I'm giving up, Lord. I'm not going to be a pastor no more. I'm not doing this no more. I'm just done. I'm too messed up to do it, Lord. Because I can't be I, the thing in me that's calling out to me and crying out on the inside. I just can't do it. You know, I would just. But the Lord said, "No, no, it's okay. That's part of the mess. Let the mess. The mess will be fine. Don't worry about the mess." So we're not being called into something perfect. We're going to have all our ducks in a row, so to speak. Forget that. If that's what you're looking for, this is not the lifestyle you want. So, Lord, just we just ask you for grace today for each other. That we'd have a grace on, on, on each other as we search out and look for that flame that you want to get and put in our hearts and look for that expression that you want us to release in the earth, Lord. That we'd have grace for each other. We'd have grace to let people be real, Lord. And let them express the thing that you're putting in them, Lord. That there'd be a grace for that. And not an intolerance towards it, Lord. And Lord, when we blow it, let us just go pick each other up knock the dust off and say come on you can do this don't give up I know that's what the Father wants that's how He's been in my life and He'll send people to you that'll be able to say wise things to you He'll just send them and sometimes the wisest things that's been spoken to me in the last year have been spoken to through the mouth of children literally as little children have spoken to me and said things that just stung me Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We ask for the real fire of heaven. We ask you for the real glory of heaven to be released upon your people, Lord. We ask for that transformation by your Spirit, that enablement by your Spirit to be the people you've really called us to be and not to accept anything less, Lord. The hope of your calling, Lord. The exceeding greatness of your power in our life, Lord. Our true identity in Christ, who Christ is in us and who we are in Christ. Those things would come forward, Lord. Just release that right now. 
And every judgment against you today, every lie against you, the Lord's saying He's just breaking that off in you right now. He's setting you free. He's setting a couple people free from uh, like generational things in your family where it's just like you were just held down because your family was held down and because your family was oppressed and it's just visited and visited. But the Lord's saying today by the blood of Jesus, by the cross of Christ, the Lord is breaking things off in you that came through your family bloodline. If you feel like you're one of those people, raise your hands to the Lord because He does not want us to be held back by things from the past. Lord, we just break every family curse because of the blood. Lord, and because of the cross, that we can be liberated today to walk in real freedom, Lord. All the mistakes of our families, Lord, that that would no longer be affecting us, Lord. We'd be free in Christ. Just release that freedom in this room right now, Lord. Just break those curses, Lord. Just break them now, Jesus. Break them off in people, Lord. Set your people free, God, to be who you created them. To be who you said they were, Lord. To be who the Father said, this is who you are. And we condemn anything, uh, any other voice that says otherwise. We just break the power of that over people today, Lord. We speak life today. Life and health and wholeness, Lord. From heaven. Over your people, Lord. Over your children, Lord, and every pain, every sorrow that's been inflicted on us, we just break in Jesus' name. We just break the stronghold of racism today in Jesus' name. Lord, racism is just a hideous sin. And Lord, our nation has been filled with racism. And we tell you we are sorry for being a racist nation. It's a lie. It's built on lies. It's built on fear. And we just reject that fear today. Ask you to free us from racism. I don't know. I just felt that really strong. Racism. I think if, I think some of us in our family, our families were probably racist. Okay? It's just, and we need to ask the Lord to forgive us. You know, if that's something that God, I feel like it just, it's, there's a lingering thing that wants to, to grip us to be racist subtle and I feel that's the Lord saying that yoke must go in Jesus name that yoke must go that lie must go every person no matter what their skin color is no matter what they look like was created by the Lord as a reflection of his heart we need to love the diversity that God has created in the earth We need to love that diversity. And Lord, we just say that. We love the different expressions of human beings that you've created because they all show us something about you that we can't see in our own face, Lord. Lord, we just come against the spirit of racism that has been in our nation, been in the South, in the United States, Lord. We condemn it. We break its power today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we renounce it in our own lives, Lord. Free us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. Holy Spirit, come more. Whoa. Holy Spirit, come more. Touch more, Holy Spirit. Cleanse more. Release your comforting power right now, Lord. Just comfort us in our immaturity, Lord. Whoa.
Just fill everybody afresh. Fill everybody afresh. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Just lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. Let the Holy Spirit just come and fill your soul with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill your soul with His love. Fill your soul with His majesty. Fill your soul with His personal affection for you. Just do that right now, Lord. Just fill. You see these hands lifted to you saying, Fill me, Daddy. Fill me, Daddy. Just fill me. Let me... Let me feel, be filled, and let me feel your presence, your love for me, your care for me. That I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I am not a, a reject. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just want to go on this journey with you. Take us on this journey. This kingdom discovery journey that we're going to discover things that we never knew. Every one of us in this room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Well, I'm going to just say this and then I'm going to stop. The Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. And the Lord let His face shine on your face. Whoa, do that, Lord. <laughs> Woo! I see His face again, looking at us, eyeball to eyeball, face to face. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let us see that face today, that beautiful face, that beautiful man, as he stares into our eyes, as he gets up and we feel his breath against us. We feel that touch, we feel that nearness. God, I pray that for everybody here. I pray they would have that. I pray you would give them that. Just breathe you in. And the Lord give you peace. I think the rest of that says, we might say it two times because we, we need double portions of peace. Peace on the mind. Put your hand on your mind, head right now, right quick. That's where our peace is. The Bible says peace is a guard, okay, that protects our hearts and minds. This is what I tell people all the time is there's a conflict many times between like the compassion of the Lord, the peace of God, the mercy. Peace always wins. Peace is because it's the rule of Christ. Whenever I have conflict in me about something, like, well, I really love to show compassion, but the peace is saying, no, you're not. You always obey the peace. Because the peace is God's rule. It's, you can disobey compassion and get away with it, but you cannot disobey peace and get away with it. That's why it says, let the peace of God rule. Let it be the umpire. Let it tell you when to be compassionate. Let it tell you when to do, when not to do. When to speak, when not to speak. When to step in, when not to step in. It's a mystery, but if you'll obey the peace, you'll be safe. It says it'll, it'll guard your heart. It'll guard your mind. It'll protect you from anything that the enemy's trying to do to you. The Bible says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. Lord, help us to keep our minds... Uh, upon the Lord. Just help us to keep our minds. I want to encourage you. This is practical, but this is real about praising the Lord and take it as you go through your day. Don't just think about it. I think about spiritual things all the time. 
But I found when I stopped just thinking about it and saying to the Lord, Lord, I love you. You're a wonderful God. Verbalizing, if I'm, if I'm in a place where I can verbalize it. When I do that, it helps my mind stay connected to Him. It helps my heart. Some days I do it more than others. But I try, every time I catch myself, I think about it. Every time I see something that triggers me, I'm telling you, that will make a huge difference in your life. And right now, there is a big war going on for peace in the, in the people of God's hearts and minds. It's a major war. And I'm finding that praise to be a powerful weapon that's really helped me. Because I've been, you know, getting, <laughs> I've been under the gun, so to speak. You know, the old commercial, I've been shot at, shot up, and shot down. That's the way I feel sometimes. I've been, I'm getting shot at, and I'm getting shot down and shot up. But that peace thing is really that praising the Lord. It's just helping me and protecting me. It's helping me stay connected to the Lord. And I know some people were, Becky was even said, she took a, somebody said, take a, put a red marker on you. Take a, a Sharpie and put a red dot on your hand. And every time you see that red dot as a trigger, whatever it takes. You know, whatever it takes to do that. And it's not fake. It's real. And I've added the prayer thing. You know, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Praying for Japan. Praying for our government. Those things really, something has really spiritually happened. I'm telling you. It's not going through the nation. It's not a formula. It's that God inhabits the praises of His people. So these are some practical things I'm doing right now in my life that are really helping me a lot. Stay connected and keep my mind at peace and protected from all the difficulties that are out there today. Amen? All right, so it's late, man, I'm in, but you can go. You know, Lord bless you.